Are you paying more than you should for things that don't really bring you peace? Struggling to meet your financial goals? We can help. Hi, I'm Diane Freeby of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to learn how making little changes to daily spending habits can make a big difference. Schedule a free financial checkup today at NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Freebie and Angelo DiCarlo. Sam Hartman looked like the real deal. Notre Dame drubs Navy in Dublin, and Irish fans are starting to wonder, is this team even better than we thought? While Marcus Freeman's still trying to make sure his team isn't pondering big-picture questions after that 42-3 win over the mids to open the season. Welcome to the Notre Dame Federal Credit Union Irish Football Fix. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank, does matter. I'm Chuck Freeby. And I'm Angel DiCarlo. Very rarely do we get a chance to talk about Notre Dame football where we really don't have... Negative things to say. I can't think of a show I've done in 17 years around this team where that is, in fact, the case. And pretty much the only negative coming out of Saturday, defensive lineman Gabe Rubio will be out a few weeks with a knee injury. Outside of that, Chuck, and a missed field goal. What a performance it was for for Notre Dame against Navy. Terrific job against Navy. Navy is not a good football team. Notre Dame is. And I think the Irish showed that they came out and played with a physicality that Marcus Freeman was looking for from this team on Saturday. On both sides of the line of scrimmage, I like the fact that that offensive line battered and bruised the Navy defense and really opened up some massive holes for Audric Estime and the rest of the running backs. And defensively, after they got burnt on a couple of plays in the first drive by Navy, Al Golden made some adjustments, and the players executed. And I really like, the, obviously, the way Sam Hartman played. He lo- Remember last week, we talked about, is he the best quarterback since? And man, ooh, did he look really good. It makes you really wonder how good he can be this year. And he did pull up the level of the wide receivers, which was really cool to see. And those are all things we're going to talk about here throughout the show. On tap on tonight's show, we will hear from Marcus Freeman and Sam Hartman coming out of Saturday's performance. We'll break down what impressed us most besides Hartman, and later in the show we'll reflect on the life of the great former voice of the Irish, Tony Roberts, who passed away last weekend. Plus, I chat with Irish wide receivers coach Chancey Stuckey one-on-one. Who This is a guy that has incredible faith. His journey to becoming a college football assistant coach is a great listen. We're talking faith, family, and football with Chancey Stuckey later in the show. But let's start with Saturday. And again, how impressive the Irish looked. And Chuck really doing it in a great environment as well. Worth noting again, obviously, in Dublin, it was a Notre Dame home game while the home opener is coming up this Saturday against Tennessee State. 40,000 Americans traveled over there and we could really tell it was very much Notre Dame. And Notre Dame lived up to that they didn't fall victim to anything with younger guys out there in a big moment and they they played really well and they looked like a seasoned veteran team yeah it's the largest amount of americans in a foreign country for a single sporting event it's also the largest amount of americans in a foreign country outside of war uh so that that's a a great Checkmark for Dublin. They sounded like they were a great host. Uh, they're getting lauded by anybody who went over there. 
And the Irish are getting lauded, and for good reason. I mean, let's start with the quarterback, Sam Hartman, 19 of 23, 255 yards, four touchdowns. But, Ange, what impressed me the most about Hartman, two things. Really, the the confidence and leadership that he gave, it particularly showed on the second touchdown pass that Jaden Greathouse caught where he scrambles away from pressure but keeps his eyes downfield. He could have run for the first down there, but by keeping his eyes downfield, he sees the open receiver and hits him for the touchdown. And then the other thing was the ability to throw the ball downfield. Passes of 10 yards or more, Sam Hartman was 6 of 7 for 121 yards and three touchdowns. Well, and he's capable of running the football, for those that don't know. Because if you watch this game, you almost wonder if he's not. But he didn't need to. Right. Because he's more than capable of throwing the ball downfield. Something the Irish really, it feels like, haven't had is a very good thrower of the football long distance-wise. And Sam Hartman brings that. And that's what allows your mind to wander. And allows your mon- mind to go, wow, I know the schedule's really tough with Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. Three top ten opponents. And we asked that poll question last week, how many games will Notre Dame win in the regular season? Only 9% last week, heading into the first game, thought Notre Dame could go undefeated in the regular season. 48% said 10 or 11 wins. 9 wins got 29%. 8 wins or less got 14%. We asked that question again after the game against Navy, and boy, have things changed, Chuck. 21% now think they could go undefeated. And how about this? Only 9% think 9 wins or less. It was 43% thought 9 wins or less last week, and now only 9%. So the fan base is already starting to feel, wow, this team could be a lot better than I realized. It's your typical week zero overreaction. I'm (laughs) surprised. Had USC not played that night, Sam Hartman would probably be the leader for the Heisman Trophy. I turned around and watched USC play that night. Uh, This just in. They're good, too. Caleb Williams, they, they they have the defending Heisman Trophy winner. So, again, and that'll be the mid-October game, one of those three big challenges as well. You know, Chad said in reaction to our poll question, I originally had thought 10 wins, but if they did, but the way they played on Saturday, and I know it's Navy, I'm glad he acknowledged that, I can see 11-1. The one loss is going to be interesting where it could come from, and I think it would be by one score. ND Football Enjoyer, that's a great Twitter handle. <laughs> I thought ND was a 10-2 and two team before the game, and I feel very confident in that after this weekend. So didn't change the pick, stayed steady at 10-2, and two, and maybe that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I wasn't sure a 9-3 or 10-2, and two, struggling with that a week ago. And now I feel pretty good about 10-2 and two heading into this season. Can I see 11-1? Yeah, I don't know if I still see 12-0, and, and until... We say, see them. We're not going to learn much against Tennessee State this week until we see them against NC State and then certainly against Ohio State. Right. That's when we'll really know what we can take in that regard. But um, because the schedule is just so hard to get to an undefeated regular season, but I'm I feel really good about ten and two. Have you changed your mindset? You had ten and two last. Last week as well, have you changed your thought on how many games they could win? I had 10 and 2. I'll, I'll put it this way. I think it's more likely they go 11 and 1 than 9 and 3. 
Well, I'll say that. Okay, that's 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 a great question because that was one of the last questions I asked you last week. Could they go more likely to happen 11 wins or even 8 wins? And and you thought definitely 11 in that regard. I thought 8 because they could lose the big 3 and one other one. And there is Again, it's the overreaction of week one, and I don't know if Navy's going to win more than three games this year. Uh, week zero, I should say. But I don't see this team only winning eight games. I, I think they're gonna, they are going to pick off one of the big games, and they're at least one, or not, if not two, and they're going to win ten games. This is a really good football team. I think it's going to be the only game you go into where you say your quarterback is not the best quarterback on the field is USC. And you take a look at the talent that the Trojans have, and particularly at the wideouts and things like that, because there are so many things that you can't take away from this game. Notre Dame's secondary didn't get tested at, at all. all. So you can't make any kind of evaluation on the safeties or the cornerbacks. And Navy plays an offense that is so antithetical to anything that anybody else plays in college football, <laughs> with the exception of Army, that you can't really evaluate the defense other than the fact that the defense played with discipline and the defense played physical. They played with the kind of violence on defense that they had talked about all spring, exhibited in fall camp, but to carry it over onto the field, that's saying something. All right, and while it's fun for us and the fans to discuss, okay, is this team even better than we thought, Marcus Freeman at his Monday press conference, wanted to, you know, let's temper that down a little bit, especially with his players and his program. He wants no one thinking that way. If we can keep motivating him to just win these moments, Saturday will take care of itself. It will. And as we get into next week, he'll take care of us. But don't start looking ahead. Like, And it's me too, right? Don't start looking, okay, Tennessee State. NC State, oh man, we, here we go. No, it doesn't matter. That, that, that stuff doesn't matter because if you lose today, guess what? The result of what you want on Saturday isn't going to be what, <laughs> what you really, really want. So you have to just focus on right now and today and uh, truly win today. And if you need a reason why Marcus Freeman is looking at it this way, let's go back to last year and the home opener against a team that nobody thought the Irish could lose to. And they did. And that would be uh, Marshall. So and no question that, that that could be a problem as well. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union is the financial institution of choice for hundreds of churches and schools. Link your Elevate credit or debit card and your nonprofits earn 1% cash back. Go to NotreDameFCU.com slash Elevate to learn more. And we thank Notre Dame FCU for being the title sponsor of this program. All right, we mentioned Sam Hartman certainly living up to the hype. Chuck mentioned his numbers, four touchdown passes as well, 251 yards, two of those to Jaden Greyhouse, also had the touchdown pass to Jaden Thomas, and then Deion Colsey. He ties Ron Paulus and Jack Cohn for most TDs by a quarterback in a Notre Dame debut, and you just he just gave you that feeling again that we have something here, and this guy is can lead us to something very big. He looks the part of a Notre Dame quarterback, and I say that in two ways. Number one, with his play on the field. Number two, with the reaction of female fans to him, ah! based on the comments I've seen on Facebook. Uh, Sam Hartman uh, seems to be the latest matinee idol to come through South Bend, and good for him on that, but 
more to the point of what he is able to do on the field, he gives Notre Dame, as you mentioned earlier, a dimension that they haven't had a quarterback in some time. Here's Marcus Freeman and Sam Hartman on Hartman's Notre Dame debut. I think he's started 42 games. This moment isn't too big, and it's about him going out there and just executing. And what I really, really thought he did a great job was putting our offense in a really good position to execute the play. There was a couple thing, a couple calls that we had that was, depending on what the defense was showing, we were going to check to a run, a pass, or a certain protection. And just to hear the communication of our coaches, to making sure that Sam is putting our offense in a great, um, just really a great situation to succeed was um, really good. We had a great plan. We went out and executed it. Um, not really any of my abilities. It was more guys around us, like um, Jaden Greyhouse here, who's a freshman out there making big plays, just no moments too big kind of deal. And so, and then really it starts up front. I mean, I had a, a lot of time to go through my reads, progressions, and felt comfortable. Um, so I, it really just starts there. The best part about that soundbite from Sam Hartman, it was just the beginning of him thanking the world. He in that press conference, and this is why he's like 24 years old and a seasoned veteran, he thanked the O-line, wide receivers, the coaches, running backs, defense, both athletic directors, you know, the one that's leaving and the one that's coming, the sports info team. He even mentioned whoever booked our flights over here. So he's got that presence in addition, that leadership quality of knowing it's not about me. Let's make sure I tell everyone it's about everybody around him and that's what you need in that type of position that will get a little old for us to hear quotes like that the whole season but it's not a bad thing internally for the football program well he's 24 years old he is older than three quarterbacks who will start nfl in week one (laughs) isn't that crazy so this is a this is a guy that's been around the block this is a grown man and He conducts himself in that kind of fashion. All right, we asked another poll question. Besides Sam Hartman, what impressed you most in the season opener? Because clearly if we asked you what impressed you most, Hartman would run away with it, right? So the defense got 18% of the vote. Wide receivers got 26% of the vote. Offensive play calling got 47% of the vote. Other got 9%. What do you think of those results? I'm not surprised that those are the results. I personally would have gone with the defense over the offensive play calling. Not that I found fault with the offensive play calling, but I think, and we'll hear from Marcus Freeman in just a moment about the operation of the offense, but I think he made a good point in his Monday press conference. It was more about the preparation and the execution of the offense in that Jared Parker could have called just about anything he wanted to on Saturday, and it was going to work. The defense and their ability to negate the option and basically pitch a shutout if Brian Newberry hadn't turned into Dino Babers at the end of the game and gone for the field goal to avoid the zero points, that was what impressed me the most. I, I did like the way Parker called the game, but who wouldn't, right? You win like that, you're going to be very impressed with it. But even like, oh, we're going to do a direct snap to to pain. Oh, I wouldn't have expected that. Like that's a nice little wrinkle, but that's in the prep work again. Like you don't just uh, <laughs> let me just call this one. You know, they prepare for a situation like that, but I I really liked some of the situations that they did. Well, how about the call on the very first drive, third and 10, everybody's looking for a pass and they hand it off to Estime and he runs on the left side for 12 and the first down to keep it going. 
the screen pass to Audric Astame on that first drive. That, again, kept the drive going. The fact that they were able to convert two third and longs in that drive without really having to gun the ball downfield, that speaks volumes to the execution of this team, too. You mentioned the overall operation being something Marcus Freeman was pleased with. Here's what he had to say after the game. From Coach Parker to the signalers to Sam, getting in the right protections, getting to the right checks, executing, that's the whole operation, and it was really good. I mean, there wasn't usually, usually the first first game, first time offensive coordinator, first time quarterback. Like, there's some operations in, in week zero that you'll see. There's some pre-snap things. We didn't have it. We didn't have to call a timeout for y'all. I think we had one in the second, in the second half, maybe. But... I mean, that's the little things that you really worry about this first game is that how many operational mistakes are we going to have from the, the communication to the, to the actual play on the field? And, and it was really good that we didn't have any. Black, 33. Overall operation of the offense is kind of what led them to lose games last year. That's, oh, yeah. that's, that's why they were losing games because they weren't doing the little things right. And the fact that they have that down in week in week zero in the first game is huge for this team's future for the rest of the season. That doesn't mean they will be perfect in that regard every single week. But if you have the little things down early, you should just improve in that area. Well, last year in the game against Marshall, and I hate to keep going back to this, but it bears repeating. So they put Tobias Merriweather, a freshman, into the game, and he, first of all, lined up the wrong way, that cost them five yards, and then he missed a blocking assignment, and that cost them the football. Whereas in this game on last Saturday, Jaden Greathouse, a freshman, who, by the way, only played for eight snaps in the game, caught two touchdown passes. Deion Colsey, who didn't look good in the summer camp games that we saw, or the summer camp scrimmages that we saw, only got on the field for seven snaps. Caught three passes, including a touchdown. They were remarkably efficient. You mentioned Tobias Merriweather. Maybe the one negative coming out of this game had two targets, no catches. Again, that's the guy you kind of need to turn into something special because is Deion Colsey going to be able to do something against the Ohio State's or USC's when the corners turn into, wow, these are really good cornerbacks that you're facing. So Tobias Merriweather has that ability, but they haven't been able to really tap into it yet, right? I mean, if he can't get a catch against Navy, that suddenly gets you kind of worried. But you mentioned Greathouse, you know, one of just five Notre Dame wide receivers since 1996 to have two TD catches in a season opener. He's the only freshman since 1996 to do that for Notre Dame, which is crazy because you think about some of those other guys, Michael Floyd, Golden Tate, Will Fuller, you had a lot of really good guys who were good from the very beginning, and he's already out of the gate doing this. You did, but how much did they get to play as freshmen? Because that was kind of one of the knocks on people like Brian Kelly is that he didn't play as freshmen a whole lot. But Floyd and Tate did. Floyd and Tate played because they were playing for Charlie Weiss and and back with Tyrone Willingham, so they played. But remember the pedigree that Jaden Greathouse comes from, too. He comes out of a big-time program down in Texas. His high school quarterback was Cade Klubnick, who is the quarterback at Clemson. He is used to the big stage, and I think that's been evident ever since he got here. He looked great in the spring. He certainly looked good in the spring game, although I will say if you had put 
him on the other team like Rico Flores was, he probably wouldn't have looked that good with Tyler Buckner thrown to him. But he looked great in the spring, spring game, all through fall camp. What he did on Saturday was not a surprise. What you said is key right there. If you put him on the other side with Tyler Buckner, maybe he wouldn't have looked as good. Because the bottom line is, Great House can fly but you have to have someone to be able to throw the ball in the right spot for him to catch it, and that's what Sam Hartman provides. That's the difference between Sam Hartman versus Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner. doesn't mean those other guys couldn't have gotten the job done in some capacity, but Hartman's just that next level up. Okay, one of those other categories that we talked about is the defense. You know, I mean, bottom line, you held Navy to three points, but Jack Kaiser was fabulous in the game. I know Maris Leofau was the the defensive player of the game, according to Marcus Freeman. Uh, Leofau had seven tackles. Jack Kaiser had eight tackles. Whatever. Between both of them, they were, aw- they were awesome. And so was J.D. Bertram, for that matter. I thought that entire linebacking core played as you would hope and expect them to play in that they knew exactly what Navy was running. They got to the football, and they got there with authority. Now, Credit the defensive line for freeing them up to do that because that's the way the defense is designed to run. Defensive line ties up offensive line. Linebackers flow and make plays, and that's exactly what they did. Riley Mills, TFL in a sack. Didn't see this one coming. Joshua Burnham had three tackles, a TFL in a sack. It, it goes to the depth that Notre Dame has on that defense, which is great. And they'll need that depth with the injury to Gabe Rubio. So now you go from having nine defensive linemen to eight defensive linemen, which some people would say ho-hum, but it is a season of attrition. And while Marcus Freeman right now says Rubio's only out for a couple of weeks with the knee problem, you never know. All right. One of the reasons the defense was ready to go was because New Prairie alum Chase Ketterer was the scout team player of the week, playing the role of the Navy quarterback, not just this week, but throughout fall camp and really in the whole offseason. Notre Dame was uh, gifted a shillelagh from the people of Ireland. You might have seen Sam Hartman holding it around in post game. Hartman says the shillelagh will go to the scout team player of the week. So Ketterer actually got to run out of the tunnel for a game in Dublin with the shillelagh. That's pretty cool for a walk-on from Michiana. No question, and and we knew Chase Ketterer was recruited to Notre Dame because of his ability to run the option, and that's one of the reasons why he's been a mainstay on the scout team getting ready for Navy, and Anj had a chance to speak to Chase leading into the game about his role on this team and how much pride Chase takes in that. I take a lot of pride. You know, I always kind of say, like, the scout-o, I mean, we don't always get to play on the field, so we have to take pride in something. I mean, if, if we're not playing on the field and helping the team win that way, I mean, we're helping them win on, in practice. You know, hoping the defense uh, in practice is, is helping them in the game too. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's big for all of us on the scout team. Uh, this has been everything I've thought of and more. I mean, it's, it's the best thing I've, I've ever decided to do. Uh, they really say, you know, four for 40. Uh, it's definitely probably true. Just the four years, the three years I've had so far, uh, I can tell it's going to you know, last a lifetime, these memories and the people I've met and the connections I've made. Uh, so it's, it's the best decision I've ever made. Are you sick of all the hits you've had to take? No, I love it. I love it. That's, that's, that's my favorite part. Uh, you know, when, it, when you pull it and you're pitching it out and you just get smoked. I mean, that's, there's no feeling like it. He's sick. 
that he likes taking the hits. That's, I mean, when you're the walk-on scout team QB liking to take those hits, ooh, I don't know how you could do that, but good for Chase. Good let for me, Chase. We love him. Let me tell you, my boy's a little bit thicker than he was over at New Prairie, <laughs> and he's got the ability to take those hits now, but courage was never a problem for him. All right, final thing this segment, we always like to do the fix, what needs to be fixed, what's been fixed, uh, what they're working on. I mean, what needs to be fixed? Uh, well, Spencer Schrader, and, and I'm not saying that he he needs fixing, but he missed a field goal attempt. <clears throat> so that's something that they've got to change. We already touched on Tobias Merriweather. And then I, I would say in the secondary, they got a little bit lucky too. Navy broke up its own pass on a fourth <laughs> down play. But that's one play. It's one play, but there was another play where Thomas Harper got beat once. Christian Gray got beat once. It might have even been on the same play. Think Cam Hart got beat once. If that's happening with the Navy receivers, I think there's some fine tuning that has to go on in the secondary. Tough game for the secondary because you're not seeing the constant action, so it's easy to get sucked into looking for the run. But still, as Marcus Freeman says, do your job. One other one, maybe the fumble of Audrey Estime, which Marcus Freeman said on Monday that Estime was benched because he fumbled the ball because they want to have accountability. And maybe that's easier to do with one of your best players when you're up big in a game but that's what they were able to do they benched him and he said he rose to the level of being a leader understanding he had to be accountable then went back in and and did well and performed well after that well it's still to come on this edition of the irish football fix we'll reflect on the life of the late great voice of the irish tony roberts and up next Ange has a focus on faith that you won't want to miss with irish receivers coach chancy stuckey Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix is back right after this. Founded in 2001 by brothers Sam and Levi, Reliance has built a reputation for excellence, providing high-quality home building and renovation services to the Michiana area. From single-room renovations like kitchens and bathrooms to building your dream home from the ground up, everything benefits from their decades of experience. From concept to completion, Reliance makes even the largest projects simple and hassle-free. To find out more, visit ReliancedBR.net. Reliance. Design. Build. Renovate. Welcome to the St. Vincent to Paul Society. From providing food and clothing to assisting with bills and offering support, we're here to lend a helping hand during times of crisis. But we can't do it alone. We need your generosity to keep our mission alive. Call us at 574-234-6000 or visit svdpsb.org to learn more about how you can help. The St. Vincent de Paul Society. Together, we can bring hope to those in need. Join the two of us Friday night at 6 p.m. here on Pulse FM for the Tire Rack Drive to the game. We'll preview week three of the high school football season with interviews and picks. It's Friday at 6 right here on Pulse. All right, it is time now for our Focus on Faith interview with Chancey Stuckey, wide receivers coach here at Notre Dame, here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You know, this is a conversation we recorded a few weeks ago before during fall, fall camp, so you won't hear anything about Stuckey's thoughts on the way the wide receivers played, but Chuck, uh, he's a very impressive man. I mean, he's... He's not that old. He's only 39 years old, but super impressive in in really every aspect that that he lives his life. He was somebody that came highly recommended to Marcus Freeman as somebody who is a tremendous recruiter. And let's face it, that Notre Dame receivers room was left pretty well void by the previous administration. 
played at Clemson, spent five years in the NFL, really didn't want to be a coach, actually thought he was going to be a pastor. Yeah, I mean, and it's only his third season as a college football position coach. So he has not been doing this that long. He credits God for pushing him towards being a coach and explains how he uses coaching as his ministry. He is also a great husband and dad. And this is just a really impactful conversation about faith, family, and football and the journey of Chancey Stuckey's life. Black, 33. All right, Coach, let's just start with this. If I told you seven, eight years ago, you're going to be co- coaching college football, let alone at Notre Dame, what would you have said? Um, I would have said you're crazy, you know, and I guess that's the part of, like, what God wants to do in our lives. And, you know, what, what we say no to, he's like, well, like, need to be a little open. So, you know, that taught me a valuable lesson, you know, in my faith, um, just to be open to what God's trying to do. And I never, and my wife says it all the time, too, like, we never thought we'll be doing this because I always said I never was going to coach. And here I am, super blessed. How, how did God lead you down that path? Because as you said, there, there's a big gap between when you left the NFL to when you actually got into coaching. How did God get you to the point that you said, okay, I, I got to coach? Yeah, and, and, and then, he, he, you know, like all the time, like a lot of times, God sends you to rock bottom um, so you can evaluate what you're doing, what's going on. And I went to a game um, in California when I was living there. Clemson played in a national championship game. And one of the reasons I didn't want to coach but because I didn't see the culture of God and people loving Jesus, people loving their wives. Um, and it just hasn't resonated to me yet. And I went to the Clemson game and I saw the family, Coach Sweeney, and the way they were doing things. And, and it's like, a, like you know, kind of like on the road to Damascus, the, the scale came off my eyes. And it was just like, whoa, like, what is going on? And, and the, the toughest part was going back and telling my wife because it was like, uh-oh, like, this is happening. And I knew we had to start from rock bottom. Um, when it going back to Clemson and being just a um, video GA, you know, not making much money is a humbling thing. And, you know, God gave me a clear revelation um, through scripture and through others about um, if you trust me right now and do this, like it'll be so much better on the other end. And, you know, and I got here in four years, which God sped up everything. You know, he redeemed time for me and my family. And I never thought I would be in this position this fast at this place. But, you know, it just shows the hand when hand of God is on something. It's an amazing thing. I saw you were actually on a path to becoming a pastor. How have you used coaching as your ministry? So that was one of the other things Coach Sweeney helped me with as, you know, obviously he's my mentor. And, you know, I talked to him about that. And he said, listen, son, hey, it's like having a small group. You know, they're your guys. They got to listen to you. You know what I mean? So you get to share the gospel with them as much as you want, and you get to recruit and bring in the type of people into your small group that you want from all across the country. You know, just you know, you're having a great effect on people because of where you are, um, and football is just an avenue. You know, it's just like a, a follower of Jesus disguised as a football coach, and you get to be, you know, in that community with those guys, loving on those guys. You get to be the dad and mentor while their parents are away and they're at school. So, you know, that's kind of how I look at it as a small group, and I'm responsible for those guys growing and maturing and send them out into the world. Chancey Stuckey, wide receivers coach in Notre Dame, joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. We're talking faith, family, and football. Coach, let's talk a little family. Uh, your wife, you met her at church. Mm-hmm. Sounds like she wasn't much of a football fan. Uh, tell us a little bit of how that relationship grew and when you did have to tell her, hey, I think I'm call- being called to be a coach. So it, it was pretty amazing. We're living in California, and she's from California. Um, 
grew up in Burbank and she, she, she went to school with all kinds of movie stars and musicians and, you know, sports guys were considered jocks. You know, just everything you saw on TV was just so cool and so funny and we were two different worlds and every I came from all sports and what I thought about LA was like the TV I saw of Hollywood and all that and, you know, and we, we, we met at church and um, both strong in our faith and going through that process and then you know, we, we were always saying we'll never leave California, but God had a different different um, intention. So that was hard and telling her, hey, uh, she knows nothing about football. The only movie she saw was Rudy, which made Notre Dame so cool. And she was like, what? A coach's wife? Like, what am I doing? So that was a huge adjustment for her. And God did some amazing things in her life. Um, and now you would think she's been doing this all her life. And we've only been doing it four years. But again, that's the amazing hand of God. And she cares deeply for those our young men that we have. And, you know, it's important that our son sees the type of men, the type of kids we bring around. So it's just been a cool journey of her working with some of the girlfriends of the players sometimes and me working with the guys and giving them a sense of identity and worth. So that, that part's been pretty amazing. You mentioned being a dad. How do you balance being a dad and a football coach when you have so much, so many hours to work? And, and then also, how does it influence you as a coach now being a dad? Um, really hard. You know, you have to be so intentional all the time um, that remembering that your first ministry is at home. We cannot cannot forget that. Um, similar to being a pastor, you're working with so many people and responsible for so many people that you can't neglect the family at home. So I try to always remind myself um, that my wife and my son are, are the most important thing in the world, and I try to include them in a lot of stuff we're doing. We have Coach Freeman's create a great environment here where families can come up, and when we can steal time together, we steal time together. Um, so the main thing is intentionality with my son and letting him know he's loved, that no one else is more important to him, and um, as a husband, not being uh, unavailable when I get home is huge. Like you come here, you spend a lot of energy, but getting back home, hey, resetting, taking the coach hat off, husband and father being present at home. Take me back to childhood. Was faith big in your house growing up? Yes, very much so. My, uh, my dad was um, in ministry in the beginning, um, and we went to uh, my mom's church that she grew up in, so um, faith was always a part of our, our family. But it wasn't until I got older that I really started to understand the Holy Spirit, um, what salvation meant, um, at, on a deeper level and then really start going into it. Ironically, getting to New York um, was phenomenal. The place with the most people pr provided the most opportunities for ministry on the street, in stores, like everywhere. So that was a big part of my life and um, I always had the foundation growing up in Georgia. But, it, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was up to me to make it my own, not my mom, not my dad, not my brothers, but I had to make it my own and I think that's what I did. Same time, you were in the NFL for five years. Mm -hmm. There's obviously many tests along the way. How did that challenge you, and how did you grow from that in your faith, um, being a member of the NFL? Uh, it was. It was. I was super blessed because on the teams I were I was on, there was a big faith community on all those teams. So I was super duper blessed. Um, ironically, the same community that was in New York um, when Coach Mangini was there. When Coach Mangini got the job in Cleveland, the, most of the same guys came over. So that, that was huge in continuity, some sh really strong guys in faith that showed me how to navigate football, family, and faith, and not having our identity in the NFL. And it was huge. You know, there were growing pains, obviously, but for the most part, I was able to look at those guys, attach myself to what they were doing and following their path, and that helped me tremendously. You're still a really young coach. Uh, you know, you're very new at this. How are you continuing to grow as a coach? Um, just learning how to treat people, you know, learning that there is no 
one one save all communication standard um, for how you treat people. Your room is different every year. Some guys respond to this, some guys respond to that, but ultimately communicating with love, you know, um, having the understanding of accountability and love is a, is a thing young guys have to understand. And I have to understand too, that, you know, just because I'm getting on you at practice doesn't mean I don't love you. And then there's competitions, competitive high level, but we walk off the field, hey, it's, it's love and it's love on the field too. So I think sometimes there's an adjustment that you know okay coach loves me he's getting on me but you know I trust him and then I have to be a great communicator and loving on those guys and encouraging those guys um, in what I do and how I evolve as myself as a coach a coach of faith that um, wants to love on guys but also having a um, great sense of urgency with using the right language. Your second year at Notre Dame how did this being a faith-based institution impact your decision to say, yeah, that's that's a place I want to be at. Yeah, it, it wasn't as big as I um, as you would think, because you know you're, we're we're in the world to create disciples. You know what I mean? It's not always going to be beautiful here, and you know you go back through the Bible, like a lot of those places Paul went, they weren't you know great Christian places. There was a lot of stuff going on, so you know it, it doesn't matter where we are that we're called to represent represent God. And then the light, be a light and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, being, everyone's sinners. You know, we're all sinners. So being at a faith-based institution doesn't change that, whether we're in it or out. It, you know, so to me and my wife are like, okay, wherever you send this guy, like, we just got to do it. Finally, how much do you enjoy being here, being the wide receivers coach in Notre Dame? I'm, I'm super um, grateful for where I am, and especially the last couple of days, you always try to reflect on where you are. You know, human nature is to always look ahead and this and that, and especially with social media. But, you know, you get, you get in your word and you become grateful and thankful to God for what he's, he's done for you and where you are so you have the right perspective. So I think that's huge, you know, because you can find it always find somebody who's doing better you can always find somebody who's making more money you can always find you know this or that but you're being content and happy and I think that's what makes your your life flourish on uh, your relationship with God flourish my marriage flourish fatherhood flourish is being content and grateful with where I am and just impacting people coach thank you very much and uh, just thank you for sharing your story awesome thank you so much look forward to again and that's Notre Dame wide receivers coach Chancey Stuckey great conversation Chuck impressed that at the very front, he talks about God changing the path that he thought that he would be taking and really allowing him now to be such a great influence on these young men that he coaches. I, I love the idea of the small group that he got from Davil Sweeney that it's like, hey, it's not about you have to be in this, you know, essentially you don't have to be talking to a lot of people. You can have an influence on a small group of people and that's going to change over every year. And that's really good, and that's really impactful. And and a football team can be a way you can make a great impact because, you know, as you impact those kids, they can impact others. And I, I think that's a really fresh way of looking at it and a really positive way of, of showing how we can live our life in an exceptional way to really put God in front. Kind of reminds me of something that the Bethel basketball coach Mike Lightfoot used to always say, make an impact where you are. And Chancey Stuckey is certainly doing that. Coming up, we preview Notre Dame's home opener against Tennessee State, and we reflect on the incredible career of the former voice of the Irish, Tony Roberts, who passed away on Saturday. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. I'm Paul Siffert. 
We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Medicare benefits can be confusing, but they don't have to be. I'm Tony Letcher, licensed insurance agent. Imagine being able to explore all your options. I work with many of the top nationally recognized carriers, and when we shop multiple carriers, you could save the right coverage at the right price. I don't want you to be my client today. I want you to be my client forever. Call Tony Letcher today to schedule your free consultation or visit tletcher.com. We have two TV46 games of the week. This week in high school football, Friday at 4 and Saturday at 11.30 in the morning, we'll bring you Michigan action as Niles, impressive last weekend, travels to Lakeshore. And then Friday night at 11 and Saturday morning at 9, it's the 80th renewal of the battle for South Bend bragging rights as Adams takes on Riley. High school football, Friday and Saturday on TV46. And welcome back inside Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix as we get you set for Notre Dame versus Tennessee State in the home opener Saturday at 3.30 at Notre Dame Stadium. But some sad news before the Navy game, Chuck, we learned that the longtime voice of Notre Dame football, Tony Roberts, has passed away. Roberts was the voice of the Irish from 1980 through the 2005 season. Pretty much any Notre Dame fan, about 25 or older, really grew up listening to Tony Roberts call games on the radio. This is a guy that just loved Notre Dame and loved calling Notre Dame football games. And for many, many years, he was working with Tom Pagna, who was a longtime assistant coach to Eric Parsegan here. And I think people just, they loved that combo like Cub fans loved the combo of Pat and Ron on the radio. I mean, they just had a way of, yes, presenting the action, but also enjoying each other's company and making the listener enjoy it as well. The other thing about Tony Roberts, and I think what really led to him being asked to leave the booth, is he loved Notre Dame so much that he wasn't afraid to be critical of them when (laughs) they weren't playing that well. And even though his career ended with that 2006 season, he and Charlie Weiss just didn't seem to jive. Charlie wanted a rah-rah in the booth. He wanted somebody that saw no wrong. Well, that's not Tony Roberts, and it never was. But that's one of the things people enjoyed about him, his candor, his honesty. Yeah, I unfortunately never got to meet Tony Roberts, which is a shame because I really— I have two regrets of people around Notre Dame that I never got to meet that I possibly could have, right? It was Tony Roberts and Father Ted. Those are the two people I never actually had a chance to meet that I would have loved to have been able to meet. But I, I got to South Bend just a little after Tony Roberts had stepped away from the, from the booth. But uh, what kind of interactions did you have with him on a personal level? Not a bunch of them. I mean, I would see Tony in passing in the press box. Usually he was busy preparing for his game and, and I was busy preparing for pregame show. But there was no question that, first of all, you know, Tony didn't need a spotter. Tony knew the players and knew the formations. He was a real student of the game, and he had brushed up on things. Also, remember, it 
it's a little bit ironic that he died on the day of the Notre Dame Navy game because he called many Navy games in his time. And actually, it was Scott Strassmeyer, the longtime PR guy for Navy football, who announced Tony's passing on Twitter. So this is a guy that knew his stuff and also we lauded the Irish offense for being efficient over the weekend. He was efficient in the way he called games. Here's a compilation of those classic calls from the late great Tony Roberts. And off, pick it off to the side, at the 25, get to the 30, to the 45, to the 50. He may go all the way. He's going to win the race. He's at the 20, the 10, touchdown, Notre Dame. Pink at 76 yards. That's up field, gets to the 40, 45. He has the 50, down to the 40, 35, 30, one man to beat, down to the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown again, Timmy Brown. We're going to go for two, back to throw. Walsh, looks, 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 has the time, lost the ball, the pass is batted down. It's batted down by Terrell, and the Irish may win it this afternoon. They're out in front, 31 30. As Jimmy Johnson went for two. And the Rockets back for it. He's at the nine. To the ten. Gets to the 15. The 20. 25. Out of the pack. 30. 35. Goodbye, baby. At the 50. The 40. The 30. The 20. The 10. Bye-bye, Rocket touchdown. Back to throw. Meyer. Looks. 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 Rolls to the right. Pump fake. Throws the ball. It is caught. Reggie Brooks. Reggie Brooks got it. For a two-pointer. And Notre Dame is out in front. 17-16 with 20 seconds left. Last play of the game. This is it. Ward flushed out of the pocket. Throwing in the end zone. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame wins. Pandemonium on the field. Notre Dame is number one. Quinn looks. Going to run it himself. Down to the five. End zone. Did he break the plane? Yes, touchdown. Brady Quinn. Notre Dame out in front by two. Notre Dame is number one. I mean, it's such an iconic call, but I even, you know, we're, we're nerds of the play-by-play, right? Because this is what we do. Yeah. But at the beginning of that Florida State call where he goes, this is it. It just put it in perspective so quickly with so limited amount of words that you're like, yeah, that this is it. It's, it's They're either going to be number one or they're going to lose to Florida State. Whatever happens on this play is going to determine that. And he had just had that feel like the, the rocket call it's just so it gives you goosebumps listening to him he's just we talked about the person and and things like that but his actual technical calling of the game was top notch as well and you know really lived to the standard of being the voice of Notre Dame football and that great voice with just enough gravel in it to give you that little blue collar feeling which the university really had at that time and so I think Tony Roberts was the right man at the right time to be calling Notre Dame football. This is no bang on anybody since, but it's hard to live up to the legend that he was. Absolutely. All right. Uh, switching now back to Notre Dame football, and as they look to adjust this week, team flew home on Sunday. Marcus Freeman said most of the players actually did not go to bed Saturday night before they flew out. They got home back to the hotel around midnight Dublin time, and then the first they started going over to the airport by 5 a.m., and most guys just decided to stay up thinking that they are going to be able to sleep on the plane, and he goes, well, a lot of big guys weren't able to sleep on the plane. So Sunday was a rest day. 
he thinks it's going to take a couple days for them to adjust because they're going to need a couple nights of good sleep, and that's going to be important because they got to be ready to go this week. Today was a jog through at practice. Uh, lots of times it'll be a little more intense on a Monday, especially if you're not doing anything on Sundays. And he said he'll have to keep an eye on things as they go through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and be very intentional about tweaking things, maybe shortening up practices, not because he's overlooking Tennessee State. He's more worried about the recuperation of his team physically so that they're at a peak by the time Saturday hits. This is one of the reasons they are facing Tennessee State. Let's be honest. It's an FCS school. Notre Dame has never faced an FCS school before. It is also the first time they're facing a historically black college or university. But Tennessee State is not very good. They were 4-7 and seven last year, 5-6 and six in 2021. Their last winning season was 2017 when they were 6-5. and five. You kind of needed a guaranteed win, and I know nothing's guaranteed because we look back at Marshall. Look, Marshall would have beat Tennessee State by 50 last year. That's the difference between probably those two programs. So you kind of needed it. It's a good feeling game because you get an HBCU on, on the docket and also because Marcus Freeman gets to go against Eddie George, uh, the longtime Ohio State great, former Heisman Trophy winner, who's now the head coach at Tennessee State. Well, Eddie George, the last time he was at Notre Dame Stadium, <laughs> ran for 207 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and it was also the last time Ohio State played at Notre Dame Stadium prior to this year, and they beat a Lou Holtz squad in 1995. So uh, Eddie George, way too familiar with success at the stadium. He does not need ne to necessarily have that kind of feeling again on Saturday. But yeah, unless 1995, Eddie George is suiting up for Tennessee State. I'm not particularly worried no, in this no. regard. But here's Marcus Freeman today. I'm facing an HBCU for the first time, facing Eddie George. The challenges, Marcus Freeman says, there there is that Tennessee State can pose. They're different universities, but they're both distinct and celebrating their own way. But I think at the core, the core values that the both universities possess, you know, they align. I think that's that's a great opportunity, and it's going to be a, a great experience for both schools. The the chance to to be across the field from Eddie George, I'm looking forward to that. I grew up obviously in Ohio and, and watching Eddie George play. Ohio State and have gotten to know him throughout the years. Really looking forward to this opportunity to go against him and his uh, football team. That is is that is talent. I mean, they're they're a good team. We spent quite a bit of yesterday as a staff watching some of the things they do, both sides of the ball. They have some playmakers. I think the quarterback. Um, I know they're listening to him as or number seven. Uh, he. he we got some challenges now, and we better keep him in the pocket. And, and the running back is a good player that, that you see his, his yards after contact are impressive. And, and their defense, I think they were number two in their conference last year, really good in red zone. And, and the one thing I, I also noticed was that which you, as you watch their games, they don't turn the ball over and they take the ball away. Yeah, that was uh, actually Marcus Freeman channeling Lou Holtz, I think, in terms of building up the opponent a little bit. Why give any kind of locker room material to the Tigers? But here, here's a little bit of background on this Tennessee State team. Uh, they've got a quarterback named Draylon Ellis. He's a transfer from Austin P. Uh, last year, not too bad a year. He threw for just under 2,000 yards. 
eight touchdowns. He was picked off six times, but most of the time he was running for his life because his offensive line was putrid. Now, this year they've got a lot of transfers in on the offensive line, two of them from Central Michigan, one from Arizona. That should give him a little bit better protection, but I still anticipate that Notre Dame's defensive line is going to be in his kitchen a lot. Uh, The one thing the Tigers may be able to hang their hat on, their defense was pretty good last year. They've got five starters back from that group. They would have six, but the young man that transferred down from Ohio State, Kevon Pope, who happened to be their second leading tackler, just decided that Tennessee State was no longer the place for him, and he decided about, oh, a week before the season. That's the one that probably has to sting the most, right? Because you need your former four-star recruits that were once playing for Ohio State, even if he didn't play. At least there's some talent there that you know of that could play against Notre Dame and pose a threat, and, and well, they're not there. So, yeah, this should be this should be a drubbing. Again, I think it's going to be a blowout. It's the home opener, though, so uh, a good opportunity for getting the pageantry and and seeing the home team and everything that goes with that and getting some of the younger guys, getting Sam Hartman his first opportunity to play at a Notre Dame stadium as well. Well, his first opportunity to play, but I would like to see more of Steve Angeli than I really got to see in this game. Not all the fault of Marcus Freeman. He leaves Hartman in for the start of the fourth quarter. They get the comfortable lead, and then Navy embarks on this 15-play, eight-minute drive. Yeah. So instead of getting maybe a couple of series of Steve Angeli or at least seven minutes of Steve Angeli, we really get 333, throws one pass for two yards. It would be great if they could get Angeli some more snaps and some more game condition time this weekend. That's incumbent on the Irish once again to do their job and to make sure that this isn't a contest. This goes back to what Marcus Freeman said at the beginning of the show, right? You got to take it today and worry about today. You can't be worrying about ahead, but at the same time, they have to see what they have in Steven Jelly throughout the year. And this is one of the few games where you should be able to get him that experience, barring the obvious of Hartman getting hurt, right? you got to know what you have in a guy like Steve Angeli for next season so that you can determine whether or not he's a guy that could be in the mix to be the quarterback or Kenny Minchie is the third stringer or C.J. Carr coming in or are you going to go and get another transfer quarterback. These are big picture things that you don't worry about on the day-to-day, but they're important for the future of your program, and games like this are when you have to figure them out. Also, if you can continue to showcase that depth at running back, and that's another thing that I really liked about what we saw from this team on Saturday, the fact that even in the first half, while the game was still quote-unquote undecided, we saw four different running backs come into that game in the first half, and, and they all contributed. Devin Ford had a huge blitz pickup on the first Jaden Greathouse touchdown where Hartman doesn't get rid of that ball if Devin Ford doesn't make the block. Of course, we know about Estime, but the more rest you can give somebody like Audric Estime in these kind of games, the fresher he's going to be for the Ohio States, the USC's, and Clemson's when you really need him to maybe be a workhorse. And pretty cool that Jadarian Price, first carry of his career was a 19-yard touchdown run. So they, they really went across 
cross the gamut in that regard on the running backs. And you're right. If you can keep these guys fresh, that's very important and can help you out. All right, what well, what do you got here, Chuck? What's your prediction? Well, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a blowout. I think Hartman has a big day. The running backs have a big day. Maybe Tennessee State gets a touchdown on a broken assignment or something like that, but I think it'll be something like 52-7. to Yeah, I got 55-3 to Notre Dame. Uh, look, here's a good challenge for Marcus Freeman, right? Because he's got to be able to he – he talked a good game at the press conference on Monday, but he's got to get his guys ready to go. And if we see them absolutely blow Tennessee State out, that's a good sign. Because you don't have those letdowns like you did against Marshall, Stanford from a year ago. That's what they can't have this season at all. They can't have that, period. Brian Kelly's signature was the fact that he won the games that he should. Marcus Freeman's got to get to the point where he wins the games that he should as well. All right, that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. If you missed any part of tonight's episode, you can listen back to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star review. Tell a friend what you like. Don't forget to join us Friday at 6 p.m. here on Pulse FM for the Tire Act Drive to the Game as we break down all things Michiana High School football. Plus, over on TV 46, we have two games of the week, Friday at 4 p.m. and Saturday morning at 11.30. It's Michigan action as Lakeshore plays host to Niles. Friday at 11, Saturday morning at 9, the battle for South Bend is 2-0 Riley. Visits 1-1 one one Adams. For Angelo DiCarlo, it's Chuck Freebie. Notre Dame and Tennessee State in the home opener Saturday at 3.30 at Notre Dame Stadium. If you don't have a ticket, you can watch on NBC. And, of course, we're back with you next Monday night at 7 here on Pulse FM. Thanks for joining us on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. This has been Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Also powered by St. Vincent de Paul Society. Health Markets Tony Letcher. Reliance. Entire Rack.